Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. We're going to go ahead and dive into Acts chapter 10 today. So grab your Bibles and open up to Acts chapter 10. When I was in, in school, um, have you ever noticed that you remember insignificant things in your life, but they stick with you for long periods of time for no reason at all. And I think for me, the things that I remember the most that stick to me are bad things. Anybody else? Like, it, and, and for me, sometimes it's, it's stupid. You know, like I, I don't remember, but just a, maybe two or three different birthday parties I've ever had. It's not that I only had two or three birthday parties, but you only remember a, a few of them. Um, but when I was in fifth or sixth grade, uh, we had this kid in our class named Tyler. And uh, Tyler's mom was one of our teachers. Tyler's dad was also a minister. Um, I don't know if he did music or youth or whatever. I just remember he worked at a church. And I know this because Tyler had a birthday party. And Tyler's birthday party was talked about for weeks in advance. Yet, I was never invited to Tyler's party. I blame my dad for that. No, um, I, to this day, I don't know why I wasn't invited. But then they, they went, they talked about it for weeks going into it. Everybody was excited because it was a sleepover party and they were going to take over the church that his dad worked and they were going to be doing like all kinds of crazy events and all that fun stuff. And, and uh, I heard about it that Friday about what they were going to be doing and how excited they were. And again, the vast majority of the guys were going, I wasn't invited. Then on, they came back from, back from that weekend, they came back and they talked about all their stuff. And you know, they had inside jokes and you... As a fifth and sixth grader, you act like you know what's going on when you don't because you don't want to seem left out. Can I tell you, that's been over 20 years. And I remember that week, that weekend, like it was yesterday. I remember it because I was on the outside looking in. Have you ever felt that way before in life? That there was this group of people, maybe it was coworkers, maybe it was the, the, the cool people in, in, in high school, uh, uh, maybe it was certain family members. You, you have this idea of people who have it, and then there's you. They have these inside jokes. Uh, maybe they, the, your family goes together for a lunch, and you don't get invited, and you find out from a waitress. Um, Maybe it's, it's I, I don't know, but you have these things, and there's something inside of us, and it's, it's stupid. It was fifth grade. It was sixth grade. It didn't, it wasn't anything big, but it stuck, because sometimes the feeling of being on the outside sticks to us, and a lot of that happens because that's how God created us to be. God created us to be a, a pack animals, if you will. He created us to have community. He did not mean and want you to be alone. In fact, he built, no, I say that very strategically, built Adam, and then he looks and says, it's not good that he be alone, and he makes another. It is not good for us to be left alone, and a lot of that has to come with there is power in numbers, there is protection in numbers, there is this idea of being a part of something. And this idea of the cool people and the not-so-cool people have even creeped into a, a church. 
where there are these people who know everything and what's going on, and then if you need to know, we will let you know. There are these other group of people who have get invitations to everything, and yet you don't get invitations to everything. Everybody has this thing, and, and, and then you are on the outside looking in. You know what's the weird thing is? I've worked at churches now for almost 20 years, and I've been on the inside, and I've been on the outside. I, I get both sides of this coin. And it's not fun to be on the outside. But you know what's crazy? There is this something, if you will, if you're on the inside. Have you ever had somebody share a secret with you? And you knew it, and you knew what was going on, but the people around you didn't know what was going on? Is anybody a horrible secret keeper? Like the worst known to man? Yeah, uh, some of us are. Uh, um, my, my stepson, is he hates secrets. He hates not knowing what's going on. Like he hates knowing what's going on and not able to tell people what's going on. There is this something inside of him that it feels, I don't know if it's immoral. I don't know what it is. But he doesn't like having this feeling of not, not, not being able to share. I, on the other hand, love the feeling. I love knowing something that you don't know. I'm being honest. Like when you know there's a party for somebody that they don't know, like a surprise party, there's two types of people. There are those people who run and hide from that person. Jessica's mom, when she knows something, she will avoid Jessica like the plague. That's how Jessica knows something's going on because her mom won't call her. She won't text her. All of a sudden, she just disappears off the face of the earth because if, if, if my mother-in-law is close by, she'll spill the beans. Me, on the other hand, I know it and I'll get closer to that person. It's sadistic. I get it. I'm working out my salvation. <clears throat> but that two thoughts permeate what happens in our world. There are people who are on, on the know. There's people who don't know. And if you do know, then you have the opportunity to run and hide from those people or get close to those people. Acts chapter 10 is the 30,000 foot view of what's taking place today. I am actually going to read the entire chapter in one week. But we are probably come back to it multiple times. But we need to get the whole vision of what's taking place here. Because in verse 1 it says, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment. He was a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms, which are, are gifts, money, whatever you want to call it, generously to the people and prayed to God always. And the ninth hour of the day, uh, that's about 3 p.m. I know it's weird, but that's about 3 p.m. Uh, so about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, he saw clearly in a vision the angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now, send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner, whose house is by the sea. And he will tell you what you must do. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. And when he had explained all these things to him, he sent them to Joppa. Now we're going to pause here for just a second. We see Cornelius. This is a Roman. He is a Gentile. He is not Jewish. Yet, being close to the Jewish people, he has begun to serve their God. 
This is a person who is um, well known by the Jewish community as a righteous and honorable person, but Cornelius is unable to even have food with them because he himself is not Jewish. He is on the outside looking in. They have the inside track to God. He wants to serve God. He wants to do what's right. But there's something in between him and that experience. And it says that an angel appeared to him and says, your, your, your prayers have been heard and your alms have set up a memorial before the Lord. Now, we don't really know specifically what the prayers are, but we can deduct, based on what's about to transpire, what his prayers probably were. The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray. It was about the sixth hour. He became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. Man, I've been that hungry before. He fell into a trance and saw heaven open and an object like a great sheet bound in all four corners descended to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals on the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. <clears throat> and a voice came to him and said, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, I've never seen anything, I've never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time and said, What God has cleansed, you must no longer call common. This was done three times, and the object was taken up to heaven again. Now while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, men who had been sent from Cornelius had made entry into Simon's house, inquiry of Simon's house, and they stood before the gate, and they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter threw out this, about this vision, while Peter thought about this vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion is a just man, one who, ser who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nations of the Jews. He was divinely instructed by an holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear the words from you. He then invited them in and lodged with them. And lodged them. On the next day, Peter went away with them, and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. Verse 24. And the following day they entered into Caesarea, for Cornelius was waiting on them, and had called, them to, and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted up, saying, Stand up, I myself am just a man. That's a bold thing for a man named Peter to say, but he did. And, and, and then he talked with him and went in and found a man. I'm sorry, went, many who had come together with him. Verse 28. Then he said to them, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or to go to one, another, to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should call no, not call any man common or unclean. Therefore, I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I asked then, for what reason have you sent for me? So Cornelius said, four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and in the ninth hour I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood in bright clothing and said to Cornelius, your prayers have been heard and your alms have been remembered in the sight of God. 
Send therefore to Joppa and call Simon Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon the tenor by the sea, and when he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. <laughs> now therefore, we are all present before God to hear the things you've commanded by God. Pause. God told Peter, just go. There was no prep time. There was no sermon download. He just said to go. Peter's mindset is, I'll go. Wonder what he's got. Maybe he's got a gift. Maybe he's got protection orders. Mind you, at this season, remember all the, the Christians are being attacked uh, horribly? Maybe he's thinking that they're going to be guarded now, and, and God put uh, soldiers to protect them for, for, the, for the expansion. And he arrives, and the man says, God said you've got a word. I got everybody together. Preach. No preparation. Just put on the spot. We're all here. Give us your best shot. And the buildup. I saw an angel, so it's got to be good. <laughs> so Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace throughout Jesus Christ, that he is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of these things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him and showed him openly, not to all people, but to the witnesses chosen before God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who is ordained by God to be a judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets witnessed that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remissions of sin. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit, just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And then they asked him to stay for a few days. This is a crazy story, because this is the linchpin on which everything turns. This one chapter. If this chapter right here does not take place, we have huge issues in our current situation today. Cornelius is a Gentile, which means he is a non-circumcised, non-Jewish person. He is not living by all the law, but he believes in God. He wants to do what's right, and he wants to serve the people. Yet, he is pulled back. He is restricted. He is on the outside looking in. And then all of a sudden, God changes everything. 
This seemingly small chapter is everything because without it, not a single person here today would be listening to this sermon. Without this chapter right here where we are, none of us would call Jesus Lord. Why? Because for the first time in human history, God welcomes all people to be together under his name. There were many good people that were not Jewish that served God for thousands of years leading up to this. But for the very first time, God is now saying, I will not call anyone common or anyone unclean. Everybody, whether from Abraham or from Bob, is all mine equal together in my name. This is a huge part of our faith. Because for the first time, you're no longer on the outside looking in. And right now what we have to understand is there are many people who have the ability to be part of our family who are still on the outside looking in. And they're looking in because we're keeping a secret. When we don't evangelize and we don't tell them about Jesus, we keep the secret. We're living our life knowing something that they don't know, and we get to walk around like I do going, I know a secret that I can't tell you. Or better yet, I don't want to tell you. Then on the other side, we have the other side of this people who go, I know the secret, but I'm afraid to tell you, so I'm going to run from you. I'm going to stay in my own little church bubble, in my own little family, in my own little work cubicle, in my own little people group to ensure that I don't do anything I'm uncomfortable with. Peter walked out with unclean Gentiles and I would imagine everyone around him was going, what are you doing? But God is no longer calling any one of you on the outside. He is no longer restricting anyone. You are invited to the greatest party ever known of all humanity and to live a life full of love and acceptance and peace and joy with the Heavenly Father. And it doesn't matter what your past looks like. It doesn't matter what your present looks like. It doesn't matter if your mom and your grandmama and your great-grandmama and your great-great-great-grandmama were all heavily involved in church or your great-great-grandmama couldn't even spell the word church. It doesn't matter anymore because if you will proclaim Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are all part of this family together. And it's not, hear me out, it is not about what you do. This is what Peter says. It's about what he did. It's all about Jesus. He doesn't go to, to, to Cornelius and say, you know what, man, there is this guy named Jesus and you missed out on him and he was great, but here's what you need to do. I need you to go ahead and go and get circumcised. I need you to obey all the laws. I need you to obey all of the rituals. I need you to go through all of the hoops that we're going through because Peter's still doing all those hoops at this time. And I need you to do everything perfect. And then if you prove yourself, you'll be one of us. 
But that would make sense, right? Think about it. If someone were to come to you and say, you are going to hell because you were born in the wrong family, but if you do these five things, you're going to heaven. We would all do those five things. That's a good deal. That's a great trade. But that's not what's happening here. Peter looks at him and says, you don't have to change any aspects of your outside. What you need to change is who's on the inside. And who's on the inside will pour out what's on the outside. You see, the world and religion wants to conform you on the outside in. They want to stand you up and go, you shouldn't wear this, and you should wear that, and you should dress like this, and you should smell like that, and you should sing like this, and you should listen to that, and you should watch these movies, and we're going to conform you, and we're going to chisel you out of a rock and try to make you look like a sculpture, but that's not what God wants. God doesn't want a rock sculpture. He wants a living being that will be transformed from the inside out. That's what we're seeking after today, is the heavenly God who knows me by name and picked me. That even when Tyler didn't pick me, Jesus still did pick you. You know, there's a lot of people who are dealing with so much hurt in their lives because no one picked them, because everybody has rejected them, because their spouse rejected them, because their families rejected them, because their, their, their friends rejected them, because people turned their backs on you. And I get it. And it sucks. And it's a horrible experience. But Jesus is not rejecting anyone. And that's the thing. We're dealing with so much hurt from the outside, and I'm not minimizing it. And it's a horrible experience. And I have been rejected, and I have rejected. I've done on both sides. I have hurt, and I have been hurt. As anybody can say yes to that. You have done the damage, and you have been damaged. You have burnt something to the ground, and you have been burnt to the ground. You have been the statue, and you have been the bird. Both sides, you've been both. But Jesus today looks and says, do not assume that I will reject you because others have rejected you. And that's the big thing we want to get into, Bob, is this whole idea that we allow so many people to hurt our hearts throughout all of our lives that we stone in our heart. And when Jesus is on the door knocking, we go, I'm not going to let you hurt me because I've been hurt so many times. And maybe you've been hurt by church people. And maybe you've been hurt by pastors. And maybe you've been hurt by, by, by family members. And, and the people who should have loved you didn't love you. And so we build this wall up and we go, Jesus, I can't be rejected again. It's safer in my house. It's safer behind this wall because no one can hurt me. But Jesus today is standing and he is knocking and saying, let me in. I already picked you. I'm not going to reject you. The second thing about this whole picking process is this. He picked you and paid the price up front. Have you ever been invited to something that you wanted to go? But then you were nervous because how much it would cost? Hey, we're all going to dinner. That sounds fun. Where are we going? And you're going, please be McDonald's. Please be McDonald's. Please be McDonald's. And they're like, we're going to Outback. And you're like, you know, something just came up. It's called Bills. Can't make it. 
Hey, we're going to do a little getaway. You're like, that sounds great. And like, we're going to get this Airbnb, and we're going to get this car, and we're going to, and you're hearing this whole whir, 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 and you're like, that sounds great. Y'all get that car. Y'all get that Airbnb. Y'all do that. And then they go, so now that everyone's in, everybody needs to contribute $500. And you're like, that's a tough break. I think I'm going to be sick that week. See, Jesus has all rights to do that. He has all rights to invite you and make you pay a price to his family. He has that right to do that. But you know what's crazy? Is that when somebody says, hey, you want to go to lunch? And you go, yeah, sounds good. Please be McDonald's. They're like, we're going to go to Outback and it's my treat. We're going on vacation. It's already been paid for. We just want you to be a part. We're going to the movies because I have an extra ticket and popcorn and a drink. You want to come? Yeah. That sounds great. See, Jesus already paid the price with his blood. So he stands at the door and he knocks saying, I've picked you and I've already paid for you to come. I've picked you. I've already paid the price. All you have to do is respond to my voice. And you are able to be part of the inside crowd now. I've got you on the fast track. Just let me in. Be a part of our family. And watch what happens. I've already paid the price. The hard part's done over with. You just got to come. In this chapter right now, Jesus is tearing down this wall. He's breaking down this, this, this idea that not only am I not good enough to be a part of it, but on top of it, there's no way I could even afford it if I wanted it. He's done it all. I can't be a part because I wasn't born in the right household. And maybe you're dealing with that. And this is a, something that our, our world is spiraling. They're wanting everybody to realize that you don't have privileges that other people have. And you should hate other people for it. They're isolating and breaking down. And I get, not everybody has the same access point as everybody else. We're all understanding that. But that's not what's happening. We're not having this understanding that some people have a harder time than others. Can I tell you, if you're coming from, uh, uh, geez, oh, Pete, what's it called? Uh, up in Connecticut, what's that area, the really rich, ritzy area? The Hamptons. If you're born in the Hamptons... You probably have a different leg up than if you're born under the overpass. Can we get that? Does everybody agree to that? There's, there's probably a different style, different schools, different home life. There's differences. And differences are real. However, what we cannot allow to happen is that because of my differences, I have to distance myself from any man. Just because you don't understand every area of my life does not mean we can't have relationship. Because over it all, we are all created in the eyes of an almighty Father who loves every single one of us. 
and he has called you by name, and he has invited you, and he has paid the price. And it doesn't matter what your differences are. It doesn't matter what kind of privileges you do have and what kind of privileges you don't have. It doesn't matter because your money was useless. Your righteousness is useless. All of that is pathetic compared to who he is. So even those with the best setup in the world, who were born in the richest families, who have the best genes possible, who have the best holiness background possible, are still scum of the earth compared to Jesus' righteousness. And he paid that price. He's looking at you going, it doesn't matter if you're in the overpass or you own the bridge that it was called over. It doesn't matter if you were born completely broke or you were born into wealth. It doesn't matter if you have two parents or have no parents. It doesn't matter whether or not you had a high school and college experience that was phenomenal or you don't even know how to spell the word school. It doesn't matter if you were stuck in a lifestyle full of drugs and alcohol and addiction or whether you don't even know what that side of the world looks like. All of that comes together and God goes, I've called you all by name. Will you respond? In Acts chapter 10 is the biggest invitation in the history of humanity that God breaks it down and says, who will come? And just when Peter starts to get concerned, like maybe I missed it. Maybe I, I'm making this up. Maybe I had some bad food and I had a weird trance. The Holy Spirit confirms it all by dropping a bomb on these people without Peter doing a single thing. And everybody marveled. Can I tell you, there's supposed to be this day when the world marvels at what God has done in your life. Weren't you the person that was the addict? Wasn't that the alcoholic? Wasn't that the, the deadbeat? Wasn't that the person who was a gossip? Wasn't that person always angry? Wasn't that person always sick? Wasn't that person always depressed? Wasn't that per- And now look at them. They look happy. They look healthy. They look like together. They're, they're in a great relationship. What happened? And the whole idea here is that Jesus is supposed to cause you to be this big, huge change because he is meant to live on the inside and burst his way out. chapter 10 changes everything. And with that comes controversy. You're going to see that in the church in the next few chapters. Some people don't like it. Some people get scared. Some people go, well, that wasn't my revelation. Some people go, I don't know what's happening. And you're going to see throughout the next few weeks what God does when he gives a word. But can we just back up just a little bit? We didn't finish Acts chapter 9. And here we are in Acts chapter 9, in verse 32. And it came to pass, as Peter went through all parts of the country, that he also came down to the saints who dwell in Lydia. And there he found a certain man named uh, Aeneas, who has been bedridden for eight years and was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed. Then he arose immediately, and all who, who dwelt in the land of Lydia and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. And then at Joppa there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, with the, with the, which is translated Dorcas. That's a rough name. 
This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. That's not good either. And when they had washed her, they laid her in the upper room. And since Lydia was near Joppa and the disciples heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him to not delay in coming. And when Peter arose and went to them, he had come. They brought him to the upper room, and all the widows stood by him weeping, showing tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed, and turning to the body, said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up, and she gave her, and then he gave her his hands and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive, and it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed on the Lord. So it was that he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon a tanner. I bring that whole thing up because I think it's interesting here. But on a day that Cornelius had been praying and seeking God, simultaneously God is moving Peter to be in the right place at the right time. At the time where Cornelius is having this vision, Peter is resurrecting people from the dead. At the time where Cornelius is seeking out God, Peter is being stopped now from his travels and has to stay in one location, which should be easy to find. And then at the same time he has this vision, he awakens, and God says, hey, hey, he's going to be at Simon the Tanner's house. How would that take place? Because if it wasn't for this resurrection, Peter would have kept moving. But because this lady had gotten sick, and because this lady had passed away, Peter heard of her, went to her, being led by the Spirit, raises her from the dead. Everybody loses their minds, naturally. And he goes, I think I'll stay here for a little while. Don't you see how interesting it is, is that God's got you on GPS at all times? And you could have been anywhere in the world, hearing any message, watching any television, driving down any highway, listening to the radio, or taking a siesta. You could have done whatever it is that's going on, but God's got you here for this exact moment. Because here's the thing, God is in control. And he is setting you up for a great move of God. All you have to do is to not discredit the change that he's doing in Acts chapter 10, and that is this. He wants you. In Acts 9, he's using Peter. In Acts 10, he's wanting to go into the entire world. It's no longer the elite. It's no longer just the trained. It's no longer just the pastors. It's no longer just those people who went to Bible school. It's now for every man, to every woman, every boy, every girl to stand up and say, I will do whatever because I was picked by a holy God who raises the dead, who heals the sick, who wants to dwell in me. And if he picked me, he's restored me. And if he's restored me, he has anointed me. And if he has anointed me, he has empowered me. And if I am empowered, I no longer need to keep this secret any longer. And because of those things, I now can go back and go into all the world and preach the gospel. The people need to know that they have been chosen, that they have been picked, that they have been loved, they have been accepted, they have been paid for. And Jesus stands at the door and knocks on their heart and says, let me in. I know you're scared. I know you've been hurt. 
I know there's been lots of wounds, but I'm the restorer. I know there's been so much pain. Good news, I'm the great physician. I know there's been so much depression. Wonderful news, my friend, he's called the great comforter. I know you don't have much purpose. Cool thing, fun fact, my dad created you. He knows everything. I know you're walking around searching for love. I am love. I know you're living in a very darkened world. I'm the light of the world. I am the answer you are seeking, your neighbors are seeking, your coworkers, your family, your frenemies. Everybody is seeking this out. So now here's the fun part where it all gets twisted back. Jesus is no longer rejecting you. You are rejecting him. He sent the invitation. You're the one not showing up to his party. He paid the price. You're the one not taking him up on his offer. So no longer can I say, I have been rejected, and I have been wounded, and I have been hurt, and I don't trust, and all those things. Because now you are the one rejecting him. You are the one not showing up in in his world. Because you have been picked. We can't use our excuses anymore of, of not being good enough. Nope. He loved you. He picked you. He chose you. He called you. Will you say yes to his invitation? The choice is now yours. We're going to go back into Acts 10 next week from the big view, and we'll knock down some of the things he said here. But right now, with everybody sitting here listening, I want to give you an opportunity to say yes. If you're with us today and you say, Pete, I've never received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I've never accepted him as my, as my king. I have been using excuses that are legitimate excuses, that are hurtful excuses. They're, they're real. But I want to say yes to him. I want to say yes to his plans. I want to welcome him into my life and, and make him my savior. If that's you today with everybody, just eyes closed. No one's looking around. We're not here to embarrass anybody today. This is the way that I feel like we need to go. If that's you, just throw your hands up and, and we'll, we'll connect you to him. <coughs> Sweet. Sweet. Awesome. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, Heavenly Father, we just thank you that every single person that is here today that has listened to your voice and you've been pulling on their hearts. I'm glad that there's not a magical phrase to say or a specific script that I have to say to, to lead somebody into salvation. But I'll say what your word said, and that is this, that we have to accept you as our Lord and Savior. We have to believe in our heart that God raised you from the dead. And now we confess with our mouths that you are Lord. God, today we say that you are the Lord. You are the Savior. We believe, we love, and we need you. Come into our hearts today. Be a part of not just our lives, but be our entire everything today. In Jesus' name, amen. Last but not least, we're going to dismiss you guys. We're on a holiday schedule. I know we have a lot of things going on, but don't miss the opportunity to share with somebody about the love of Jesus. 
maybe you don't know what to say, and that's okay. Bringing them to church, we're hitting it on a regular basis, as every church should. Um, but you should definitely, definitely take this opportunity while you have family together, friends, people who are hurting, people who aren't invited to Christmases, people who aren't part of life. They're seeing all the happiness. They're upset on the inside. Give them some love this week. All right? We'll see you guys. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.